But uh, what I want to talk about tonight, uh, I'm going to use a lot of scripture to, to confirm uh, what I'm saying. And I titled this message, Good God. God is good. Amen. All the time. All the time, and all the time God is good. But we're doing a, a series at the church that I attend on uh, taking him to the streets. And of course, it's about evangelism and reaching out to those who don't know Christ. And we've been doing a series, and we've been hitting on different topics and subjects along the way. And one of the things that I thought about when it came my time to preach on this was having a right image of God. I think the world doesn't have a good image of who God is and what God is like. And I think sometimes the church world doesn't have a good idea, a good image of God, who he is, and what he's like. There's a lot of tradition and a lot of religious, pop religious, cultural type things that are, that are part of our uh, Christianity that I think we need to challenge tonight. And so let me just read this uh, opening a paragraph I have here. It says, when the topic of the Christian faith comes up in a conversation with a yet-to-be believer, I like to call them the lost, but that's what they are. There is usually questioning of or critiquing of and many times outright rage against God. I don't know if you ever had that experience where you're wanting to share your faith and the person that you're sharing it with is just, just mad, but just Ugly, but just when it comes to God, we don't want to hear anything about it or anything about Him. And, and but they have a wrong image of God. And I think if they had a right image of God, they would lessen their, their hatred and their anger. In the in addition, too often God has been misrepresented and misunderstood, and has been presented as mysterious, distant, the cause of catastrophes, sickness, disease, poverty, war, violence all the hurtful and painful things that happen in this life. And people don't like that. God is accused of being evil and bad and bringing the, and, and being the author of all things uh, bad that occurs. Many walk away from such a God, even those that have once believed, saying that this is the kind of God he is, I don't want anything to do with him. A wrong image of God is a barrier to effective evangelism. A wrong image of God is a barrier to effective evangelism. As ambassadors of the Lord, I believe it's important to have a clear, accurate understanding of who God is and what He's like. The world looks on and picks up on bad teaching and comments that are made about God. My conviction is, is that we find all that is needed to be known in regard to God's character, His workings, and His will in the person of Jesus Christ. All that we need to know about the character of God, the will of God, and the, the, the nature of God is found in Jesus Christ, the Lord, before He represented Him. All that Jesus taught and all that Jesus did and is still doing and not only reflects God, but is in fact God himself revealing who he is and what he is about. 
Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God the Father. And that's the premise of what I'm going for tonight. I have a hard time seeing this light. That's what happens when you get old. But you don't have to do anything about it. I just uh-huh. I'll only take a, a couple hours tonight. I won't keep it. So I want to say this, Jesus is like the Father. The Father is like Jesus. You know, we talk about being Christ-like, that we are called to be Christ-like. Well, we need to know and understand that our God is Christ-like. Our Father in Heaven is Christ-like. He's like Jesus. Jesus is good, therefore the Father is good. If we look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, which again is on that sheet that I've given you, if you want to read that with me, it says the Spirit. Pardon? Oh, that's okay. I'm sorry for not being clear. I see. But Luke 4 says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, what I want you to notice is it says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus speaking. And what we see here is we see the Spirit We see the Lord, which is God, the Father, and we see Jesus. All of them involved with proclaiming the good news to the poor, proclaiming relief to the captive, proclaiming such and such relief from oppression and so forth. All of them doing good. We don't have a Jesus who went about doing good on the earth and then when he left, the Father took over again and became this new, more lovely God. They were, one, doing the work that God had called Jesus to do. If we look at Acts 10.38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So once again we see God, who anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. So we see God the Father, we see Jesus, and we see the Holy Spirit, and all of them are doing what? Good. They weren't doing bad. They didn't go around making people sick. They didn't go around making people have chaos and destruction and oppression in their life. They didn't go around doing any of that. They went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So we have a good God. Amen. 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 God the Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, depicted here as all doing good. I would suggest that if we want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. His life, his teachings, and the works that he did depict who God is like. Does this make sense, Gene? Yeah. 
It may seem simple, but it's a, it's a truth that we need to grab hold of so that we don't have misconceptions about who God is. Again, I think sometimes Jesus left and was ascended, and it's like he's no longer in the picture, so God resorted back to being some kind of mean old ugly God, you know, doing all kinds of harm and, and, and bad things on the earth, and that's just not true. Amen? Amen. Some say that God's ways are mysterious and past finding out. This is a, kind of an old religious tradition that God moves in mysterious ways. And, and yes, they're mysterious to us when we are involved in seeking God and seeking God for an answer and seeking God for things in our life and, and He orchestrates things and brings things about and we you know, when, when we see the answer being manifest, whatever the point, God moves in mysterious way. And, and so, rightfully, that's kind of so. The mysterious just means you don't quite understand how that goes. So we need to be careful when we say that God is a mysterious God. Because mystery, or mysterious in the New Testament, means something that is meant to be revealed, not meant to be hidden. So Paul talks about the mystery of the gospel, which was meant to be revealed. The gospel, Jesus Christ going to the cross, and so forth. So I argue that this is not true, that the scriptures say otherwise. And if we look at 1 Corinthians, it's a, quite a bit of scripture, but I think it's important for us to see. When we look at 1 Corinthians, we read, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. As it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now the sentence doesn't end here. It says, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Go to the next verse, it says, These things God has revealed to us. So they're not hidden from us, the things of God, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. And He's revealed them to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except for the Spirit of that person which is in Him, so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, I know this is getting kind of, kind of complicated and kind of, you know, and Paul's like that. He just can't say something right out. Uh, he's he's got to just kind of make it more difficult than it has to be. But if we listen to his logic here, we say, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. And so it goes on to say, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but we've received the Spirit who is from God. This Spirit is the Spirit that knows the thoughts of God. We have received the Spirit from God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And so you see, God doesn't mention want to be mysterious to us. He wants us to know Him. He wants to reveal Himself to us. And He does that by the Spirit of the Lord, by the Spirit of God within us. God is not mysterious. He's revealed himself in Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. This is something that we really want to get a hold of. Jesus is the 
the exact representation of the Father. Again, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. You don't have to guess. You don't have to try to imagine what is God like. I wonder what he's like. You don't have to wonder that. Look at Jesus Christ. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. In Hebrews 1, says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. What it's saying here is that God has communicated uh, up until Jesus' time through the prophets and, and so forth. He brought a revelation, but not a full revelation. And then in these last days, he's spoken to us through his Son, by his Son, by whom is appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. And then it goes on to say that he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and he is the exact imprint of the nature of God. Now, his imprint is like when you take a stamp, like a rubber stamp, and you press that against a surface, and you lift that stamp back off, and it leaves an impression, either on a piece of paper or in clay or in wax, and that impression is an exact image of what was on that stamp. Well, Jesus is the exact image, the exact imprint of the Father. Amen? Amen. It's a reflection of the glory of God. Uh, the exact likeness of God's being. The fullness of God dwells in Jesus. In Colossians it says, He is the image of the invisible God. So when people saw Jesus Christ, they were seeing God. They were seeing the Father. He is the image of the invisible God. In Colossians 1.19 it says, For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So we have in Jesus Christ the fullness of God dwelling in bodily form. So Colossians 2.9, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. You've got to take a breath here. You getting all this? You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder, what is God like? When we're going through a tough situation or a tough circumstance, we don't have to wonder what God is doing in the midst of it. God is doing good. He's somehow going to pull this thing out, pull this thing together, and, and do good in the midst of it. He's not going to do bad. He's not, he didn't bring the bad upon you, the negative situation on you. He's trying to deliver you from it as we sang uh, the song that we're free and he brings deliverance and we're not oppressed and so forth. In every situation, in every circumstance, we know because we see it in Jesus Christ and his ministry that God is about bringing deliverance, not bringing that bad into your life in a greater degree. Does that make sense? Amen. Jesus revealed the Father. Now, I'm being kind of repetitive here, but I'm just trying to draw out different verses that speak of this. Jesus revealed 
the Father. In John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Read that again. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus has made him known. No one's ever seen him. No one's ever known him like, and I'm also saw the backside and stuff, but no one's ever seen God. But we see him when we look at Jesus Christ. When the disciples walked with Jesus and the apostles walked with Jesus and the crowds gathered around Jesus when the possessed came in contact with Jesus, they were seeing God. They were seeing the Father at work. And we know that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the dead. So we know that our Father is like that. We don't have to guess and we don't have to wonder if He is. Amen. Amen. That makes me happy. When Norwegian gets happy, this is how we are. That's about as much emotion as we get going with things. So. That's a true story. You should see emotion. You should see a Norwegian on the dancing like this. That's it. We really tear up the place, you know. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just picking on us. I'm a Norwegian, but I'm just picking on us. Yeah. Preacher's worst, worst uh, nightmare is that he offended somebody. Okay, good. Now. I want us to see here that it says no one's ever seen God, but Jesus has made him known. Now, Jesus didn't just tell others about God and in that way make him known. This verse is referring to the very person of Jesus Christ revealing the Father. It wasn't just what Jesus said, trying to describe who the Father is. It was who Jesus was. People looked at him, they saw the Father. In John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. So once again, we have Jesus stating it right out. We believe the words of Jesus Christ. Is that not so? So I'm not giving you something that is off track. I'm not giving you something that's off course or something that I, I need to believe because it helps me sleep at night. I believe it because this is what Jesus said. This is the truth. This is the reality. He said that if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. Let that become a revelation to you. Uh, that in Jesus Christ we see the Father. Uh, he said, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? He said, if you don't believe the words that I'm saying, look at the works that I'm doing. 
if you don't believe on account of, he said, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So now Jesus is saying, it's not just looking at me, but look at what I'm doing. Look at what Jesus did when you read through the Gospels. Can you find an instance where Jesus did some kind of negative thing to people? Did bad things to people? Caused bad things to happen? No, you can't. You went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He was the Father. Look at the works that he did, Jesus is saying. If you don't believe me in what I'm saying, that I'm like the Father. Look at the works. And so he's saying that those works that he did are the Father's works. And so we can see and understand what the Father is like. I know I'm beating this thing. I'm beating this horse and I'm big time. But that's the way Revelation comes to me. Is that I have to, I have to, I have to beat it into my brain and all of a sudden the Spirit of God opens up my mind. Not just hearing information, I'm getting it now. If my spirit's rising up within me and I'm getting that revelation. And boy, I tell you, when you get this revelation, the old enemy tries to convince us that what's going on in your life is brought about by God. You know, he's just disguising himself because he's the one that's at work. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Amen. In John 10, 30, he said, I and the Father are one. And this is Jesus saying this. I and the Father are one. Amen. We don't have to be confused about what the Father is like. Jesus is the interpretive lens in which we see and understand God. Now, one of the things that that sometimes can be confusing as we see this picture of God in the Old Testament of doing some pretty nasty things. You know, causing these people to go and destroy this nation and wipe out the people and, you know, the, the wives and the children and all of that. And so this is a tension that many theologians wrestle with and even Christians, you know, that, that don't necessarily think on those levels people, yeah, I, I don't I don't get it, you know, this picture of God in the Old Testament. But we need to understand that Jesus is the ultimate revelation of the Father. Whatever else that we might understand about those Old Testament pictures of God, we need to know that Jesus is the interpretive lens in which we see and understand God. He came in old times. He spoke to prophets and so forth, but now in these last days he has spoken to us in Jesus Christ. So we must interpret everything that we read and understand about God through the lens of Jesus Christ himself. You know, sometimes we think that, you know, the tragedy that enters our lives you know, is there to teach us something or to mature us. But I have to say, I, I would suggest that these things come because of the fallen world we live in and the war zone we live in. Amen. And God is there to bring deliverance and wholeness. So instead of thinking, what is God trying to teach me in one of these tragedies? 
this tragedy or this this illness or whatever it is, think what is God teaching me in this deliverance and healing that He's bringing to the situation. Amen. One of the greatest mistakes people make is assuming they can draw conclusions about the nature of God from life's experiences. Let me say this again. One of the greatest mistakes people make is assuming that they can draw conclusions about the nature of God from life's experiences. We can't allow life's experiences to dictate to us what God is like. Well, I've experienced this, and I've experienced that, and I've experienced this, and, and whatever. We can't allow that to dictate the nature of God and our understanding of God. We have to look at Jesus again and always look back to Jesus and see what he was like and see what he did. And again, in every, no matter what the situation is that we're going through in our life, we can know and understand what God's will is in the midst of it. We can know and understand that God is at work trying to bring good out of this and trying to bring deliverance out of this and trying to bring wholeness out of this situation that you might be facing. Amen? When we have an opportunity to share with someone about our faith, it really is good news of a good God who loves us and demonstrated that love by giving his life for us. It said that he was anointed, the Father, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, anointed to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captive, to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, both physical and spiritual, to proclaim liberty to those who were oppressed, shattered, crushed by life, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this is a whole teaching, this, this idea of the year of Jubilee that he's talking about. And this was back with Israel. They were every 50 years were supposed to give over everything returned to the original owners, everything, all deaths were forgiven, all things were put back the way they were before the 50 years started. Wouldn't that be nice? Amen. Every 50 years, our life is to be rechecked and, and redone, and all our debts are forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he was doing this. He was proclaiming these positive, wonderful things. Again, all of what is mentioned before speaks uh, in these verses speaks of God's goodness. And again, just to say that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it in So we're looking at, at Jesus to represent the Father to us, but we have to look at his Jesus nature. And I'll finish up with this. Jesus' nature is self-sacrificing. sacrifices himself for us, for humanity. That's the type of God that we serve. That's the type of God that we live for and live with. 
says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and, and counting their trespasses, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And of course the verse that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Well, we're talking about self-sacrificial. God giving over of himself to us. That's the nature of our Father. So when we approach him, we don't have to approach him in fear. We don't have to approach him apprehensively. We can know that when we approach him, he is self-sacrificing himself for you. And he wants to bless you. He wants to hear you cry. He wants to get involved in your life. I like that. Uh, I think it's in third time. I love that. I wish of all things that thou mayest prosper and you being healthy and you so I just love that little, little prayer, that little blessing. And I pray that over people's lives because to me that's the will of God for their lives, that they would prosper, that they would be in health, even as their soul prospers. The will of the Father being expressed. Self-sacrificial love. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 John 3, 16, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we have to lay down our lives for the brother. Self-sacrificing love. That's the type of love that God loves us with. It's a father that's not holding back not holding back. He's not withdrawing from you. Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the year. He's not testing you in the sense of, okay, I'm going to dangle you here in, in suspension for things you're just not going to know what's going on. And, you know, I hope you learn your lesson. He's not doing that at all. He is about blessing. He's about drawing you into his presence, drawing you into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. God is self-sacrificing love. And he loves us in that way. Amen. Amen. I think I'm going to stop here with all the verses that I want to deal with, but I'll deal with them another time. So we see the Father in Jesus, and we see Jesus in the Father. The Father is Christ-like. I think that's a cool statement. The Father is Christ-like. We don't think of him that way. No, he's the Father. He's not Christ-like. We don't need it. He's Jesus-like. Because Jesus reflected him. And he, in turn, you know, dwelt in Jesus. The of the Godhead. in Jesus. So be encouraged tonight. Uh, Know that you have a good God. And it's not one of those things where we resolve ourselves after you know, kind of sharing all our problems and then we say at the end, well, God is good. It's a very real truth that we serve a good God. And He doesn't want to harm you in any way. And He's not harming you.
if you're here tonight, and whatever you might be going through, I want you to know that God is good. God is for you, not against you. He'll make a way. He'll show you the way. He's for you. He, and he says, draw to him. Draw close to him. Don't, don't walk away. Don't turn away from God. Because you think he's not interested in you. He's interested in you. More so than, than you are yourself. So if you're here tonight, let God be good to you. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for those who gave an attentive ear tonight to your word. Bring to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Open the eyes of our understanding that we may know you and the hope that you bring to us, Lord. We thank you that you are a good God and that we can always turn to you and you'll never turn us away that you always want the best for us. And Lord, we thank you that even though we might be going through hell right now, you are with us and you're working to eliminate that hell and to deliver us from it and bring us out on the other side. Yea, that I walk through the shadow of the, va the valley of the shadow of death, it says that you are with me. And so Lord, we thank you that you are with us.